live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good people, how you doing? This is Fackish, and this is Davin Suggs, the Public Policy Director at FAC. Welcome to the end of week three. Let's not hesitate. Let's get right into it with our roll call and team. As you introduce yourselves, question of the week is favorite food. So I'm going to start with Jeff. How you doing? Good, Davin. Happy Friday here. Jeff with Jeff Scowl is back. I handle environment, water, agriculture, and technology issues. And this is an easy question, and I'll do a fresh from Florida plug. I'm going to go with the delicious Florida Stone Crabs. That's good. My wife will be hanging out with you, Jeff. She loves that. Sarah Henley, how you doing? Good, good. It is Sarah, Fax Policy Analyst, and my favorite food coming from my Italian side is any and all pasta. Okay, I like pasta too. So far, two for two on the food. South Florida, special. Eddie Labrador, how you doing? Doing great, Davin. Uh, Eddie Labrador, Senior Legislative Council. I handle community and urban affairs, ethics and elections, preemption, and all things. And my favorite food is actually um, a one pound grilled hamburger with an egg, french fries, and jalapeno peppers, and Swiss cheese on it. Oh, I am hungry. We call that a two cigarette meal, you know. Smokers smoke after they eat. That's a two cigarette meal. Tonette Graham, how you doing? I know you don't approve of tobacco products. How you doing? Of course not. Healthcare, safety, and justice. What is going on? And of course, COVID. Tonette Graham, greetings and good afternoon, good folk. Hope you all have had a great week. What's your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food, chicken wings and crab legs, period. All right. We are four for four. Bob, don't mess this up. You better say something I like. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing well. Bob McKee, Deputy Director of Public Policy. I handle finance, tax, and appropriations. Anything with a dollar sign. My favorite food will be Florida-based scallops, which you can only get by snorkeling, accompanied by fresh redfish caught the same day. Bob, you make it sound good, but I will be honest. I only like scallops that are wrapped in bacon. <laughs> There's no mistaking or faking, naking for bacon. All right, that's all. That's pretty good. Again, I'm Davin, and they, if people know me, you know I pizza, preferably pepperoni. That will always make me feel better. So if any of you miss an assignment, mess up on a bill, you want to make me happy, buy me a piece of pizza. All right. All right, welcome everybody. Week three, we had a lot going on. We had legislative days. We had over 100 commissioners here. It's a lot of action um, in week three um, in terms of session. We are truly in the middle of it. If you talk about the eye of the hurricane, we are right there. So why don't we get down to that segment where we just run everything down what happened this week. So I'm gonna start with Jeff and Jeff. You know, I like to say it. Do you know what time it is? 
time is it? It's about to go down. Well, in environment and water, agriculture, there's a lot going on. I'll get to it. Uh, two bio, uh, biosolids bills were heard this week to ratify the rules, uh, the administrative rules that were proposed. And uh, both of those bills cleared their first committee stops. Uh, they are House Bill 1309 and Senate Bill 7060. Uh, Senate Bill 1058, a sanitary sewer lateral program, cleared its first committee stop. This bill would require counties that had set up voluntary inspection programs of their sanitary sewer laterals to pay for those repairs on private properties. Um, another bill that we're watching, uh, House Bill 1601, farming operations, cleared its first committee uh, this is the Agritourism and Right to Farm bill, and its Senate companion was passed off the Senate floor. So we're going to watch that House bill as it continues to move through the process. Um, we're watching broadband bills. There are two broadband bills that were heard this week, one by Senator Osley and another by Senator Burgess that are continuing to move through the process. And lastly, uh, on the rundown this week, uh, a Florida Forever bill, which would extend the bonding capability through 2054 was heard and cleared its first committee stop unanimously. All right, Jeff. Busy week for you. Busy, always. busy week for you, always. And you're doing much better. That broadband stuff we're going to come back to later, I believe. Sarah's going to give us a little information for that. Hey, Eddie. Yes, sir. You know what? It's about to go down. What you got for me? Okay. Uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee considered uh, Senate Bill 400. That's the bill by Senator Rodriguez that prohibits uh, government agencies from filing deck actions uh, in response to a public records request. The bill passed 11 to 0 and now heads for its final committee, uh, the Senate, uh, Senate rule. Uh, in the House, the companion measure actually uh, was considered on Thursday, and it also uh, received favorable treatment, uh, and, and now moves to uh, Senate, um, for the House State Affairs Committee. Um, we also had Senate Bill 758. That is the bill that establishes an express fiduciary duty of care for appointed and. Uh, appointed public officials and executive officers that serve government entities. That bill uh, passed the Senate Community Affairs Committee after it was amended to take out um, board members that serve on pension and retirement boards um, on a nine to zero vote. Um, the House bill, Senate, uh, House Bill 573, uh, also was taken up by the Public Integrity and Elections uh, Subcommittee, or the Elections Committee, I should say, and uh, on Thursday and passed 13 to one. So both bills are moving in a positive direction. Uh, finally, the last bill that I have is uh, Senate Bill 496, Growth Management by Senator Perry. This is the companion measure to House Bill 59 by Representative McLean. It was heard in the Judiciary Committee on Monday and it passed 
11 to 0. It was amended to remove the uh, provisions having to do with the disposition of property by FDOT and uh, will now uh, move to its last committee. Uh, the House Bill 59, of course, is sitting on, um, on the calendar. All right. Thank you, Eddie. Eddie, you had a good week this week? Yes, sir. I sure did. All right. Tough choice here. Should I go to Tonette or should I go to Bob? Eddie, Eddie I need you to pick Tonette or Bob. Go to Bob. All right. See, look at that. Friends. Making up. Bob, you know what time it is? It's about to go down. All right. The rundown this week and finance and tax. First on Thursday in Senate Finance and Tax Committee, Senator Gruder's bill extending the Qualified Targeted Industries Refund Program cleared its second committee. The uh, the bill reauthorizes the Qualified Targeted Industry Program and by repealing the June 30th, 2020 deadlines for applicants to be certified for the program. FAC supports the continuation of the program and I waived in support for continuing the program at the meeting. Also, this week, House Bill 1429, dealing with tourist and convention development taxes by Representative Villa, was heard in its first committee stop, House Environment, Agriculture, and Flooding Subcommittee. The bill authorizes counties to impose the tourist development tax or convention development tax to allow the use of the tax revenues to finance flood mitigation process uh, programs. However, the bill also requires sunsets all existing tourist development taxes every five years and requires them to be reauthorized by referendum. There's some language in the bill meant to say that that sunset doesn't apply where the um, tourist development tax is, is currently bonded, but once those bonds were um, expired or complete, then the tourist development tax would be subject to the five-year repeal and reauthorization by referendum. The uh, other bill I'm going to talk about here, I'll leave the big bill on impact fees, so the one big thing at the end, but Senate Bill 268 came out of the House, um, excuse me, the Senate Regulated Industries Committee. Uh, the bill by Senator Perry would preempt local occupational licensing to the state. So where counties may have some specialty licenses for that they uh, license for the construction industry that are licensed uh, occupations that are not licensed at the state level, um, under the bill language, the um, local governments would lose the ability to license any of those occupations. This is separate and apart from the business tax. This is specific to actual occupational license um, ability at the local level. All right. Thank you, Bob. Bob, did you have a good week? I did. The high point of the week was seeing all of our commissioners up here and seeing some commissioners that I knew either as members or commissioners previously um, when I was with FAC from 2000 to 2006. All right. No, it was a good point. It was, that was a very good part of the week. I think I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. 
All right, last but not least, hey, Tonette, you know the deal. It's about to go down. The rundown for healthcare, safety, justice, all things COVID this week. Let's take Senate Bill 334, the regulation of smoking in public places by Senator Bruders. Cleared its committee that was given counties and cities authority to further restrict smoking within the boundaries of our public beaches and parks. Senate Bill 1608, the Fraud Safeguard Bill, cleared its first committee by Senator Beam in criminal justice and is heading to rules this passed unanimously and should be heading to the Senate floor after it gets through rules, pending no issues. And last but not least, the COVID-19 Liabilities Protection Bill by Senator Brandis. Um, passed in the Senate on yesterday. This is the bill that aims to provide protection for businesses, schools, and healthcare providers, such as nursing homes and hospitals. That's it for me. All right. Thank you. And I would be remiss, Tonette, if I did not ask you, did you have a good weekend? Of course. Thankful for life. All right. Good. Good. All right, folks, let's get on to the next segment, you know, where Let's get a little heavy on them. And I'm going to start with our crack policy analyst. She's slowly becoming a favorite of the fat community. Sarah, you know what time it is. It's one big thing. What you got for us, Sarah? All right. So this week we're talking about something that is very near and dear to the FAC community, and that is broadband. A few fast facts for you. Florida's urban fixed broadband coverage rate is 98%, and Florida's rural fixed broadband coverage rate is 78.6%. So you can definitely see the gap between our urban and rural communities, but understandably so, there's a lot of conversation this year on appropriate broadband implementation and structure within our state. And due to the pandemic, most, if not all of the things that we've been doing on a daily are online, our school, our working, even our shopping. And if you didn't have access to internet during this time, it was going to be an issue for you and you were going to be impacted negatively. So I think everyone this year even if it didn't affect you before, you got to see why broadband was important and why it probably will be one of the most important policy issues that we see now in our country into the future. But FAC has, of course, been focused on broadband initiatives for a while. And fortunately, last year prior to the pandemic, um, taking us all online, broadband legislation was passed and it created the Office of Broadband within the DEO. This was a good first step for us in locating gaps in the state and even provided some annual appropriation through the MCORS program that will start in the future to help out with our rural communities and our unserved areas. But there's a lot of broadband legislation up this year. There's six broad bill, broadband bills up. And the ones that we're focusing in on this year include House Bill 1339 and Senate Bill 1560 by Representative Goff Marcel and Senator Osley and House Bill 753 by Representative Clemens. So both bills differ a little bit 
One thing they have in common is they create a broadband opportunity program that awards grants focusing on expanding broadband within our state. HB 753 focuses on expanding to un unserved areas, particularly through MCORS funding, whereas HB 1339 and SB 1560 focus on expanding to both unserved and underserved areas. Uh, those bills also do a couple more things. They create a task force, which a member of FAC will also be a part of. It requires the office to develop a geographic information system and maps to update them annually, and it creates a process for identifying households that will qualify for federal broadband funding. So you can take a look at all seven of those bills in our legislative bulletin. An even more exciting update is that the American Rescue Act is allowing funds that will directly go to counties to be used for broadband, which is huge for all of our county for all of our counties. But there's still a lot of progress to be made, and you can stay up to date with us on all of our broadband initiatives on our Access 67 webpage. And if you have any questions about any of the bills, you can reach out to Jeff, who is our go-to lobbyist on those. Jeff, the go-to on broadband. That was a data overload from, from Sarah. And really, these bills have so many components. And a major shout out to uh, one of our commissioners, Terry Burroughs, who works on, the, uh, along with uh, Commissioner uh, Greg Weiss from Palm Beach, who serve on the NACO uh, task force on broadband, who are just tremendous resources in trying to hone in on the issues that are impacting our rural communities. No, this is a big deal. And I think we're going to be talking about this for the, the next five weeks while we do this podcast and on into the summer, especially as Sarah mentioned, with all the federal money and broadband infrastructure being an allowable use. Um, it's sort of the green light for our guys. And so now we're going to watch this legislation and then get to work on it. Right. Jeff, we're going to stick with you. And so the people want to hear what is your one big thing? Well, I've got two this week, but the first major thing that happened this week was the slimming down of this energy super preemption. It's back to energy part three this week. Um, that was Senate Bill 856 by Senator Hudson. It has now been slimmed back to be called the express preemption of fuel retailers and related transportation infrastructure. So initially this bill started out as a behemoth where it could have touched any and all energy infrastructure uh, then it, it was talking about transportation energy infrastructure, uh, but now it has been honed in and paired back to be a preemption on the future construction of gas stations. Um, in California, they have tried to ban the future uh, building construction of gas stations, and that was something that the legislature did not want to see happen in Florida. Uh, so. The, the bill has been slimmed back, that Senate Bill 856, to just be focusing in on gas stations and local governments cannot require uh, electric vehicle stage charging stations at gas stations as well. Um, the second uh, issue I just wanted to do very quickly here uh, is House Bill 217, uh, of, which is the bill to honor former County Commissioner Kristen Jacobs passed off the floor this week 
and all of the Florida House, uh, all 120 members signed on to be co-sponsors to the bill. That's so awesome. The Coral Reef in Southeast Florida will now be called the Kristen Jacobs Coral Reef Ecosystem Conservation Area. And if I can, I'm going to take a quick second of personal privilege to say, you know, as my former boss and mentor, she she really instilled my love for the environment and the counties, county family. And now that reef will, will be honoring that Florida treasure as well. All right, yeah. Jeff. Thank you. No, and that I'd was like, awesome. I'd like to second that, Davin, because uh, Commissioner, well, Representative Jacobs actually served uh, 16 years in the Broward County Commission, and I got to work with her uh, a lot during that time period, especially when we were together doing federal lobbying on climate change and sea level rise issues. So, you know, that all human beings are, are good human beings and, and, and loss is tragic, but Kristen was definitely one of the good ones and she will be missed. And I think this was a very good deal. So now all we need to do is wait for the Senate to hopefully return the same favor in the same fashion. Um, and a good thing would be done by the Florida legislature. Eddie, let's stick with you because I know you're not going to let Jeff get away with two things. I think he, I, I, you're probably about to have three or four things. Eddie, but let's try hard here. People want to hear what is your one big thing. All right. Well, uh, I just, uh, I actually almost, I've got two things. Uh, <laughs> and, and let me start with the small one first. The, the small one is that I want to mention that, uh, uh, Senate Bill 430 uh, was actually uh, heard this week on in Senate Transportation. It passed eight to zero. Senate Bill 430 has to do with petroleum fuel measuring devices. And the reason why I mentioned this is because it actually preempts the regulation of petroleum fuel measuring devices to the state. Um, and uh, the bill also has the effect of um, prohibiting uh, or limiting penalties on gas stations that do not have, um, that fail to install uh, security devices or measures. Um, and what this is getting at is uh, those um, gas stations that fail to put any kind of security device when you use your credit card to pay for gas, um, it wants to regulate that at the state level. Uh, there are some counties, I think there's at least one county that I'm aware of that has uh, provisions that deal with measuring the amount of gas in a tank and actually uh, providing for these security devices. So that, whatever county does that, uh, is no longer going to be able to do it if this bill passes. Um, the other major issue that I want to talk about uh, is a bill that actually passed last week, but we didn't get to, a chance to talk about it because there were many things that were on the schedule for last week as well. And that is House Bill 1101 and Senate Bill 1380. Uh, 1101 um, is a bill related to relief from burdens on property rights. This is a bill that actually expands certain definitions that are applicable to the bur 
Jay Harris Act, uh, Private Properties Act, and for the Florida Land Use and Environment Dispute Resolution Act. Uh, specifically, uh, with respect to the Burt J. Harris Act, it expands the definition of what government action is um, to include adopting an ordinance, resolution, regulation, rule, or policy that inordinately burdens private property rights. Uh, the key issue there is including the word adopting, because if now, uh, normally under the Boche Harris Act, you have to have a governmental aid, uh, you have to have a governmental action that affects your real property, um, which can be denial of an application uh, for a permit or the actual denial of a permit, uh, any other kind of permit that might be applicable to your property. By including the word adoption, uh, it expands uh, when uh, suit can be filed and when the process can be triggered under the Burt J. Harris Act by a property owner who believes that his uh, property has been inordinately burdened by government action. It also um, uh, modifies the definition of real property to include uh, not only surface uh, property interests, but subsurface property interests, mineral estates, and other relevant interests that are held by a property owner. Um, it also modifies the, the term land for purposes of the Florida Land Use and Environmental Dispute Resolution Act uh, to mean real property under the Burt J. Harris Act. So it ties the Dispute Resolution Act with the Burt J. Harris Act. It also reenacts the definition of real property uh, under the exaction law that was passed a few years ago by the legislature to incorporate uh, these amendments that they're doing to the Burt J. Harris Act. Um, so it's important that people take a look at this bill and let us know if they're going to, be, you know, how they, uh, how they're going to be impacted by this. Um, it's my understanding that there is a current case out there relating to Union County and a dispute with um, a mining company that is valued at $298 million. And this change may actually impact that current case. Ah, there's always context, isn't there? Yes, yep. there is. All right, thank, thank you, Eddie. And then we'll be looking for future updates on that one, okay? Yep. Bob, I'm coming back to you because you know the people want to hear, and you already teased it. You keep getting these free commercials during the podcast. You think you're slick, but the people want to hear your one big thing. Unlike the two previous staffers, I only have the one big thing, which was House Bill 337 on impact fees. And it was huge. The the local administration and veterans uh, chair, excuse me, a veterans affairs committee on the house side uh, adopted a committee substitute for House Bill 337 by Representative DeSigley 
out of Pinellas County. The committee substitute did a couple things. It took out of the bill a piece that was concerning that required for uh, to be able to collect an impact fee, that there had to be a project planned or funded in the same assessment district as the project, the development. That is now out of the committee substitute. The committee substitute revised the caps that were in the original bill that established a, a 3% cap to inc uh, annually increase impact fees. It created a pathway to increase where any fee increase that up to 25% would have to be implemented over a two year period of time. Any increase up to 50% would have to be enacted in four equal installments over a four year period. Impact fees could not be increased any more than once every four years. No increase could be more than 50%. No increase could be retroactive. And the impact fee increase had to be pursuant to a plan. The bill then created a second pathway where the caps do not apply, where if you do everything as required under current law, under the dual rational nexus test, you're not subject to the caps. You do still have to have a plan and you do still have to not have anything apply retroactively, but none of the caps apply if we do impact fees the way we've always done impact fees. So the bill actually preserves the dual rational nexus test and county's abilities to set the fee within what the dual rational nexus test determines is the appropriate level and proportional fee. The bill still has a couple other provisions that um, are problematic. It still redefines the, uh, the types of things that impact fees can be used for to essentially tie it back to bricks and mortar type of activity and eliminate the ability for it to fund law enforcement equipment vehicles, uh, fire trucks, fire equipment, other public safety EMS equipment, library books, and perhaps even libraries. So there is still some substantial restrictions in the bill and there's some credit language that seems to require us to credit against impact fees, any public facility provided by the developer, there has to be a credit. And it doesn't seem to even require that the public facility be of the same nature that the impact fee is going to be charged for. So the bill is significantly better with respect to the caps because they're non-binding caps, but the bill still has a couple real problematic provisions that would significantly impact the, uh, the ability and the, what impact fees provide today. Hey, Bob, thank you. And good news in the House, we at least know is not up next week, and we're still waiting on word in the Senate, correct? Yes. All right. We've heard it's not going to be on Ways and Means and uh, um, on Monday, and that, uh, but we have not heard about Wednesday's community affairs meeting in the Senate yet. All right. We'll keep a lookout for it. All right. Graham, bringing up the rear here. 
People want to hear your one big thing. If you check your email this week and saw a legislative alert, you already know what the deal is. Senate Bill 1924, the limitations on emergency powers of political subdivisions by Senator Manny Diaz out of Miami-Dade County. This legislation requires that emergency measures issued by a political subdivision be narrowly tailored to a compelling public safety or public health emergency and specifies additional requirements for local government emergency uh, measures. More specifically, this bill, if passed into law, will provide the governor and or the legislature by concurrent resolution, the authority to invalidate a local order, ordinance, proclamation, rule, or any other measure issued by a political subdivision to address an emergency if they determine or deem it unnecessarily restricts a constitutional right, fundamental liberty, or statutory right of a citizen. Listen, folks, we've got to kill this bill. This will be the beginning of ending home rule. So do us a favor, call your rep, because HB 945 is moving on the House side by Rep. Rommel. Call your respective representative, call your senator, get your neighbors to join in and help that kill this bill. These are the same people who who were elected, just like you all. The individuals who elected you all to serve as county commissioners are the same citizens who elected them to serve here. So just call and respectfully ask that they kill this bill. We've got to keep some things local. We've got to keep it local. You all are there to serve. You can do the job. You can get it done. You all have been trusted and have a great emergency management team. Let's leave some things on the local level. This is a knee-jerk reaction to a pandemic that we've never experienced and seen before. Let's focus. Let's work together. We can put this energy into other legislations and let our local folks do what they need to do on a local level. Let's kill Senate Bill 1924. Amen. You know what? Well, they passed the offering plate right now. Very good job, man. This Tornette said it best with this one: the beginning of the end of home rule. <clears throat> and this is because, as we talked, this is a copycat legislature. If they were to get that clause in this bill to where the governor or the legislature could invalidate a local ordinance or order, it'll be in every environmental bill, every tax bill, every growth management bill. They would just pass it around. So thank you guys for that. You know, man, this was a long, tough week as we get ready to wrap it up here. So, I mean, as we go out, we do the last word and I'm going to go first this time because I want to say thank you to over 100 commissioners that travel to Tallahassee for Legislative Day. I mean, they heard from the Secretary of Commerce. They heard from the Secretary of DOT. They heard from the Ag Commissioner, Secretary of State, the Attorney General. Um, we had a pretty good lineup of agency folks that, and, and electeds to come talk to them. And they got to talk to one another. A lot of them had not seen one another just outside of Zoom calls, but to see people in person um, and learn from one another about local government and how they're doing, how they're, everybody's getting through the pandemic, I think it was a good thing. Um, makes us a little tired, but we enjoyed having you here. Um, now we can't wait 
and I look forward to annual conference. So I just want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to all our commissioners who came and to the, the other almost 100 commissioners that watched virtually. So thank you guys. Thank you for letting us work for you. So Jeff, you got any last words this week? Yeah, the highlight was seeing the, the Fackish and Studio 67 logos right next to the FSU championship banner, basketball banners inside the Civic Center. Oh, no, we did the Civic Center right. Our logos, are, the only thing they need, them they should have played a clip from the podcast over the arena speakers. You know, that would have been good. But seeing the logo on the big jumbo screens, that was good. That was one big thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I see that. See what you did, Jeff. Sarah, you got any last words? Yeah, I would agree with Jeff. That was a pretty awesome to be on the floor. The last time I was there was high school graduation, so it was kind of special. Um, but it really did feel like normal again, so it was, it was special. Yeah. Bob McKee. Well, let me just say, last time I was on the floor of the Civic Center, my daughter was singing the national anthem there. So that was... Uh, a nice flashback for me. It was great seeing a couple past FAC presidents, both uh, former Com- Gadsden County Commissioner Ed Dixon and former Lake County Commissioner Weldon Cadwell. I'd say that was my big thing of the week. All right. Eddie Labrador, what you got? Well, it's the end of week three, and Monday will begin week four, and it's preemptions, preemptions, preemptions. They continue to fly, and we continue to defend again. That's right. That's why we got you to put on the cape and get that hamburger. Get you two hamburgers this weekend, so you got enough energy for next week. All right, T. Graham, take us on out. What's your last words here? Uh, my word for this week would definitely have to just be perseverance. I think I've learned that more this week than anything. You have to persevere. You have to have tunnel vision. Focus on yourself. You can't worry about what the person next to you or in front of you are doing. Focus on your vision, your goals, and your objectives and get it done. That's right. And that's what we will continue to do. We're going to be focused and we're going to get it done. We have no doubt. Um, and with that, you know how we end this thing. You know, to all our members that were here, those that were watching us virtually, and then to those listening to us now, remember it is not the critical counts. It's not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. And that's all of you all. Um, and as I said before, we appreciate the opportunity to serve you. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Everybody have a great weekend.